Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of the MyCare Champion Cast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Laura Hall of the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. As you know, this series covers key issues surrounding healthcare in Michigan and how you can help protect the health of your community. In our first episode, we talked to Laura Oppel, Senior Vice President and Chief Innovation Officer of the MHA, about auto no-fault insurance. Well, since then, we've had a lot of developments, so we caught up with Laura again for an update in the latest news. I encourage you to check out the first episode to get more of the background and history of the auto no-fault insurance system, but briefly, if you're not familiar, Michigan's auto no-fault insurance system covers people who've been injured in a car crash, no matter who is at fault, with healthcare, physical therapy, job training, and more as they recover from their injuries. So what's happening now with auto no-fault insurance reform? Well, since we last spoke, a bill has been introduced. It's House Bill 5013. This bill purports to help people with reduced auto insurance rates in exchange for a number of changes to the system as well as the opportunity to choose lower uh, benefits compared to the lifetime benefit that we discussed in the last part of the podcast. We're very concerned about the way the bill is designed because there are a number of big holes that we see. For example, the bill offers to senior citizens the opportunity to completely opt out of the no-fault benefit. That sounds great, but it's being sold as if you have Medicare, that's all you need. When in fact, Medicare doesn't cover long-term care or attendant care. And I think it would just be more appropriate to be honest with people you are leaving behind a big chunk of what you probably need after a severe accident. If and People seem to be very surprised by this, and I say to them, if Medicare covered long-term care, we wouldn't be so heavily invested in using Medicaid to pay for nursing home care, part one. Part two is there's a lot of energy around a 40% rate reduction. Let's pare that down to what that really means. First of all, The 40% is only on the personal injury protection benefit of your policy. It's not 40% of your entire policy. My personal policy costs about $1,000 a year. I drive a relatively new car, and it has full coverage, including physical damage on the car. Out of that $1,000, about $400 is for the personal injury protection benefit, and that includes the MCCA assessment. So 40% of my $400 is 16%. And to achieve that, I would have to choose the lowest possible benefit that they would offer, which is $225,000 of emergency care plus $25,000 for everything else. So it's a very limited benefit, and I only receive 16% reduction for that. Even worse, if I choose to keep the current benefit that I have, and there are several things, as I mentioned, under the bill that reduce rates, Provider reimbursement is cut dramatically. Family-based attendant care is limited compared to what families are allowed to do now. There's an anti-fraud statute that we've been working towards getting for years. And then finally, they try to crack down on first-party lawsuits, which we agree needs to be done. All four of those things will dramatically reduce the cost of claims to insurers. But for people that choose to keep their current benefit, there's no rate reduction at all. So insurers have all of these underlying claim cost reductions, but people that keep their current benefit get no rate relief. All of those things really make us very frustrated with this legislation. If you were injured in a car crash, you had chosen one of that cheapest plan, what would happen to you after a car crash? 
If you were seriously injured, if you chose the 225 plus the 25, you would probably run through your entire $225,000 by having emergency care and then immediately following that emergency care, your inpatient care for that emergency. So you'll exhaust that. Then hopefully, after you need several more weeks in the hospital, you'll have some type of health benefit that will care for your medically necessary needs. But once you leave the hospital and you need outpatient services, long-term care services, attendant care services, physical and occupational therapy, uh, you need to modify your home because now you live in a wheelchair, or you need transportation back and forth to all of these therapies that you need, which becomes very expensive when you need them on a daily basis. And the number of, if you have a, a brain injury, there's a number of brain injury uh, recovery services that aren't covered by traditional health insurance uh, or Medicare for that matter. If you need all of those services, you will have $25,000 for everything. And it won't last very long at all. So you will, you'll say, okay, well, I'll just use my health insurance. All of those things I just listed, traditional health insurance doesn't cover. So you say, well, uh, maybe I could sue the at-fault driver. Well, there's two problems with that. Number one, what if you're in a single car accident? What if you hit ice and you hit a tree and this is what happened to you? There's not another driver to sue. Second part two of that is the way the bill is drafted, they specifically took out the ability to recover under a lawsuit those out-of-pocket expenses from another driver. Not really clear to me why they did that, but you can't get those, you can't recover those damages through the courts, even though you are not at fault and you have these economic losses. And then finally, you'd say, well, I guess what I'll have to do is go on Medicaid. Medicaid is very limited in what it can do for people in this situation. That's the kind of thing we're leaving people with if they choose this low coverage. So to the average person, they're hearing, like you said, they could save 40%, and I know those numbers aren't really adding up, but you know, if you are somebody who cares about healthcare, who is an advocate listening to this podcast, how would I respond to a friend who is telling me, I, I need my car insurance to be cheaper, let's just go with this plan? I think that there are many people who are being priced out of the market and the closer you are to Detroit the more difficult it is to afford auto insurance I absolutely understand that and for those reasons the MHA has offered a number of ways to reduce the cost of care and including cutting our own rates cutting that cutting the rates of Michigan hospitals so we're still working towards some way to reduce the cost of uh, Michigan's auto insurance product and I would also say to folks, you can do things like shop around for your insurance. You can make sure that you're getting it from the lowest price company in your area. Pretty much every policy that is written in Michigan is about the same. Take a look at, your, at what you're being charged and make sure that it's, uh, that it's appropriate. Call your insurance agent and say, are there any discounts that I qualify for? Now, those are all things that you can do right now while we're still struggling to find a way to, on a more macro way, level, cut the cost of auto insurance for everybody. Another big point I've been seeing all over social media 
um, are these images with comparison showing what auto insurers are paying for an MRI or some other treatment compared to commercial insurance compared to Medicare. Um, is that information accurate that's floating out there? Well, one of the things that's always interesting to me is this is often these this this highest possible rate for uh, an MRI is often attributed to a hospital, but a hospital is never identified. What we would say is we charge everyone the same thing. Under Medicare regulation, we're required to charge everyone the same thing. What we accept as payment from different payers varies and is also negotiable. And then finally, I would say that when it comes to those charts that you see, there are some providers out there that just about all of us in this working on this issue would say are acting inappropriately. And I think that the insurers find the most egregious example, and that's what they put on the chart. And every time I've had the chance to have the chart in front of me myself, I will say to them, is this a hospital? Which hospital is this? Can you help me understand who it is that's charging you this rate? And they never identify who it is, which makes me think, I'm not sure this is one of my members. It's possible that this is a standalone MRI center somewhere in uh, southeast Michigan that has nothing to do with one of our major health systems, nothing to do with an MHA member. And while you are using that number uh, to make your point, you are perhaps inappropriately mentioning hospitals at this in the same breath. And kind of that goes back to the fraud issue that we talked about in the first podcast. We should be tackling that first before we go after people who are injured in a car crash. Yeah, and there are some pieces in this bill that attempt to do that. And what I've as I've talked to lawmakers about House Bill 5013, I've tried to make it clear there are things in here that either we have supported uh, almost word for word in the past and there are things in here that we think are uh, new things that, that we need to be working at and doing to cut down on extra care that's not needed, uh, fraud, you know, care for people that don't need it at all. We need to work on both ends of that. And I think this bill attempts to do some of those things. Is it successful entirely? I don't think so. But there are so many other flaws in it. The proponents of this bill say, hey, this is great. It's a 40% average mandated rate reduction. No. Auto insurers are required to file new rates for lesser products. That's what this bill does. For people who keep their current benefit, there's no rate relief at all. That's not a mandated rate rollback. So knowing all of this, what can the MyCare Champions do and when should they do it to help? I think that folks should be writing to their lawmakers either on social media because uh, they pretty much all have Facebook pages. Uh, you can, they, a lot of them also use Twitter. You can call their offices. You can even physically put a pen on paper and send them a note with, with a stamp just to let them know that you have very serious concerns about the way that this bill is drafted. And you don't have to be against rate reduction. You don't have to be against helping seniors get relief uh, because of the way that Medicare interacts with no fault, but you can be expressing great concern about the way that this would leave people uh, underinsured after a catastrophic accident. You should be outraged at the way that the rate rollback is written, and I think people should be letting folks know that that's not acceptable and that's got to change in this legislation. 
If you're interested in learning more or taking action, we have resources available at the Take Action section of the MyCareMatters.org website, and a link will be in the show notes. There you'll find a summary of the bill along with a link to our Legislative Action Center, which is a tool that helps you get in touch with the lawmakers in your area. You can also lend us a hand by spreading the word to your friends and family who also care about healthcare in their communities. Thanks everyone for listening to this bonus episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can email us at communicate at mha.org or contact us on our website. And be sure to join us next time for our regularly scheduled episode of the My Care Champion Cast.